Our reading this morning is from John's Gospel. So John chapter 1, verses 35 to 51. John chapter 1, 35 to 51. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning round, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who had heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John, you will be called Cephas which when translated is Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathaniel asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He then added, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Kerry, very much. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to those who are some here in the building for the very first time, uh, some watching online for the first time. My name is Jonathan J. I'm the vicar, and you're extremely welcome. And it is great being able to sing with it. Well, we can't sing in the building, but we've had very small bands over the lockdown, and we're just starting to build them again, and it's great to have a bit more oomph. We are longing for the day when we can all really sing together. It's coming. We don't quite know when it will come, but it won't be too long. Uh, this term, most of the sermons are going to be taken from John's Gospel. 
John wrote his gospel, he tells us right at the end, chapter 20, verses 30 to 31, that people may come to faith in Jesus. Uh, John says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe. Both that tense has the sense you may come to faith and you may continue believing that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, by trusting him, you may have life in his name. Now, over the first few Sundays of Easter, we've looked at quite a few of the stories at the end of John's Gospel, how Jesus appeared to Mary in the garden, and to Thomas that first Easter evening, and to Peter, and recommissioned him. Uh, and through Sunday mornings, we're going to look at quite a few encounters with Jesus. And today, we've got the calling of the first disciples. On Sunday evenings, we're going to look at lots of the things Jesus said, the I am sayings. Tonight, I am the bread of life. And if you'd like an introduction to John's Gospel, I preached one last Sunday evening, and you can get that off the website if you would like that. Let's pray now that God will speak to us. Lord God, our Father, how we praise you that you are a God who speaks. And whether we've been Christians many years or whether we're just dipping our toes in the water and beginning to explore the person of Jesus. Come and speak to us by your spirit as I speak through your word and will you help us to go the next step in trusting you and we ask it in your name. Amen. Uh, I don't know if you can remember learning to swim. Uh, some of you I'm asking you to cast your mind back a very long time. Um, when we do it as children we kind of learn to do it naturally. But I have a number of friends who've had to learn to swim as adults, and that's a whole lot harder. You have to learn to trust the water. Uh, it seems a bit easier when you're a child. You try and persuade an adult that it will take your weight, and the adult can put his hand through the water, and it, clearly you can just go straight through. How is this going to take my weight? But until you trust it, you never find out. Uh, how on earth does it hold you up? And you see others swimming and enjoying it, but you dip your foot in the water and put your armbands on or try swimming lessons. It's all a bit tricky. People urge you to launch out. Uh, and some are just too nervous. No, I don't think I'm ever going to do that. But it's so worth the energy, the effort to learn to swim. Now, it strikes me it's a little bit like that with people coming to faith in Jesus. If you come to faith in Jesus as a child, you grow up through it naturally. It's, you can't quite, it just feels fairly natural. Coming to faith in Jesus as an adult feels a bit more complex, like learning to swim. There are Christians telling you, come on in, the water's lovely, it's fantastic. And you think, a bit like, how on earth is this water going to hold me up? How on earth can I put my trust in someone I can't see? How does this work? And what are the armbands equivalent as I learn to explore Christian faith? Well, some of you I can see in church this morning came to faith as adults. Others of you watching will have done. Some of you will be exploring the Christian faith. Today, we have the story of four of Jesus' closest followers, how they first met him and began to put their trust in him. And I wonder, as we look through these four characters, which of them you identify more with for your own story. Uh, but for those of you who are Christians looking to share your faith with others, you're saying, come on in, the water's lovely to your friends. How, what can we learn to help them take their first steps in following Jesus? We've got... Two pairs. First of all, Andrew and his brother Simon, who would later be known as Peter. Andrew and this other unnamed disciple, I think it was probably John who wrote the gospel, but we don't know, uh, are followers of John the Baptist. 
John the Baptist is a radical, edgy, popular preacher. Crowds are drawn to him. There's a bit of a revival going on. People are wondering if he is the Messiah. Is he God's national leader to save Israel? But he's very clear that he isn't. Let me read to you a few verses before the ones Kerry read to us. This is from verse 19. This was John the Baptist's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He didn't fail to confess. He confessed freely, I'm not the Messiah. They asked him then, who are you? Are you Elijah? I'm not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I'm the voice of one calling in the wilderness, make straight the way for the Lord. Now the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him, why then do you baptize if you're not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water, he said, but among you stands one you do not know. He's the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. In modern English, I'm not worthy to lick his boots. One is coming after me. And John had these followers, including Andrew and this other unnamed one. Uh, but he knows he's not the Messiah. There were messianic expectations there. And everybody wants good government. Our newspapers are full of whatever government we're under, whatever color it is, whoever the leader is, they're not perfect. And it's easy to uh, pick holes. We would long for a government that we knew had perfect wisdom and perfect integrity and would make the perfect right decisions. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Well, that's the promise when the Messiah comes of his kingdom. People were longing for it then, just as we, something in our heart longs for it now. Well, John the Baptist sees Jesus and he says, look, here he is. Let's read from verse 35. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, there's the Lamb of God. He'd pointed him before, he'll take away the sins of the world. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Let's read on. This is Andrew and his friend. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he says, and you'll see. So they went and saw where he was staying. They spent the day with him. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. You can picture Andrew telling the story, uh, remembering that first afternoon they spent with Jesus. They are clearly thrilled with who Jesus is. And they rush back. And the first thing Andrew does is find his brother to tell him. Let's read on from verse 40. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who followed Jesus. The first thing he did was to find his brother and tell him, we found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you're Simon, the son of John, you will be called Cephas or Kephas. Uh, which when translated is Peter. Andrew's so excited. We have found the one, the leader God sent, the one who will rescue us, the one it's worth following. To be a Christian is to bow our knee to Jesus as, uh, in the words Kate picked out earlier, our teacher, our Messiah, our King, our Lord, our leader. Someone who can help us deal with all the stuff within that we struggle with. Jesus can do that. He starts, he works through us slowly, and he helps to make us the people he's made us to be. I love this with Simon. We know Simon as the apostle Peter, uh, the great leader of the church. 
But Simon, when he first came to Jesus, was a little bit more unstable, very up and down. And Jesus sees the potential in him. You're Simon. I'm going to call you Kephas. That's Aramaic for rock. Or Peter, Greek Petros for rock. In our day, you're Simon. I'm going to call you Rocky, rock man. You are going to be steady and I will build my church on you. And when Jesus looks at you, he sees what you can become. He knows what he's made you to be. He knows you're damaged. He knows things have happened. He knows things have gone wrong. He knows about your hopes and the things you're ashamed of. And he can work with us on those things and help us become the person he's made us to be. Now, he's been working a long time on me. I grew up in a Christian home. I knew Jesus when I was little. As a teenager, I wasn't very good at following Jesus, so I kind of knew it was true. I bowed my knee to Jesus as my Lord when I was 18, just as I went up to university. And I was blown away with joy. I wasn't expecting that. I'd, I knew it was right that Jesus was who he claimed to be. I thought it would just be rather hard work. And I was surprised by joy, as C.S. Lewis put it. Up to that point, I'd very much been one person at home that wasn't really me and another person at school that wasn't really me. And down the years since then, and that's nearly 40 years ago, slowly God's working, helping me become the person he's made me be. He hasn't quite got there yet. This is not the finished article. God's still working on me, as he is with you. But the joy of becoming the person God has made you to be is wonderful. Friendship with Jesus is the most life-changing thing that can happen to you. And once it's happened to you, to your friends. And John, through this gospel, introduces us to lots of people who met Jesus. Uh, we're going to meet the wedding party uh, next week, where Jesus turns all the water into wine. Then we're going to meet the religious old man, Nicodemus. Then the woman at the well who's had five husbands and is a bit of a social outcast. And we'll meet a series of people whose lives have been changed by Jesus. Right at the heart of the gospel, we have this verse, John 10.10, 10, uh, where Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. That is the promise for anyone exploring faith in Jesus. And that is the promise for those of us who are Christians, trying to introduce our friends to him. Uh, as it says in the bricks over my head, Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. He's the way. If we want to know the right way, it's through Jesus. If we want to know the truth, it's in him. If we want the life that God gives, we come to Jesus. But it doesn't happen if we're half-hearted about it. It doesn't happen for nominal Christians who say one thing and live another. Uh, many of you, I know, have bowed the knee to Jesus as your Lord. But from time to time, things happen, and we need to come back again and say, I'm sorry, Lord, for going my own way. When the joy goes, I know I've gone off track somewhere. Some of you, of course, are just exploring all this. Is it true? Can I trust Jesus with my life? And you may have questions. Uh, and that kind of brings us to our next pair, the two friends, Philip and Nathaniel. So let's pick up the story in verse 43. Uh, the next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Now, this is interesting. Jesus actually found Philip directly. And I know some people that's happened to. Uh, Andrew was pointed to Jesus by John the Baptist. That's a bit like a vicar or Sunday school teacher pointing you in the right way. Uh, Simon Peter comes because his brother brings him. That's like some of your family bringing him, and lots of people come that way. Jesus actually found Philip directly. And from time to time, I come across people. I say, I haven't met you before. What are you doing here? They just say, well, I just find myself drawn to come to church. I'm not quite sure why. It's like Jesus has drawn you. Or... Um, 
I've encouraged the church to pray for the Muslim world during Ramadan while they're praying. And often during Ramadan, we hear stories of people praying and Jesus reveals himself. Uh, in Islam, he's the prophet. But we know he's far more than that. And there are always stories of Jesus revealing himself in a dream to different people in the Muslim world. Do pray uh, that that would happen this Ramadan more and more. So Jesus finds Philip, and then Philip goes to get his friend, Nathaniel. Let's read on. Uh, Funny Philip, Jesus said to him, follow me. Sorry, just go back one, Kira. I hadn't quite got there. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Philip is just as enthusiastic as Andrew has been. Jesus is the one his hopes have been pinned on. He's met him. He hasn't known him very long, but he's full of enthusiasm. But he gets a very, very different response. Well, Simon Peter's been enthusiastic. We know that's his temperament. Yes, I'll jump into anything. Andrew says, come to Jesus. Peter says, why not? Philip says, Nathaniel, we found Jesus of Nazareth. Come and meet him. And Nathaniel's not so impressed. Verse 46. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asked. Come and see, said Philip. There's something good in this church today. Someone good who lived in Nazareth. I know, it's very nice to have you here. Uh, lots of good things come from Nazareth. But uh, Nathaniel thought, what a tip. Why would I want to meet anybody from Nazareth? Uh, and he's pretty cynical. And Philip just says to him, come and see. Just come and see. Now, when you try and share your faith with others... It's like you're saying, come on in, the water's lovely. Uh, they think, gosh, boring old church, why on earth would I want to do that? It's a bit like Nathaniel saying, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And the best thing to do is to say what Philip said, well, why don't you come and have a look? There's no harm looking. And in fact, today it's even easier. You can say you don't even have to come to church. You can make a cup of coffee in your pyjamas and watch it online if you want. Just dip your toe in the water. Uh, last week we had here on the evening someone who's engaged with us online here in the building for the first time. I suspect that's going to happen a lot in coming months. People who've encountered God through the online services will start coming in person. Uh, come and see. And Jesus, when Nathaniel comes, tells him that he knows him too. Just like he knew Simon Peter, he knows Nathaniel. Let's read on, verse 47 to 49. When Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, he said to him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathaniel asked. Jesus said, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathaniel declared, Rabbi, you're the son of God, you're the king of Israel. He's gone from total skepticism to all in. A, uh, he probably needs to think it through a little bit more. Uh, than this. Jesus calls him an Israelite in whom there's no deceit. Uh, a looser translation could be, uh, you're Nathaniel, you're a transparent straight talker. <laughs> Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Some people might call him cynical or abrasive, but Jesus is putting it politely. <laughs> here, here you are, and I know you, Nathaniel. Now, Jesus sees you as you really are. He knows you as you really are. He saw Nathaniel when he was sitting under the fig tree, as Philip went to say, Come and meet Jesus, and he knows you. Now, that is tremendously comforting that God knows us, but it's also rather disturbing. He knows all the stuff that's not right. John, in his gospel, describes Jesus as light shining into our lives. The light is very attractive, but it's also fairly disturbing. So in John chapter 3, verses 19 to 21, 
John puts it like this, light has come into the world through Jesus. But people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light. They won't come into the light for fear their deeds will be exposed. But everyone who lives by the truth comes to the light so it may be seen plainly that what they've done has been done in the sight of God. Jesus still shines his light today. And there are two reactions. Some people turn away. This is too uncomfortable. I'd rather live my life in the dark spiritually. Others are drawn to Jesus. The attraction is greater than the uncomfort. And as you get closer to Jesus, he will show up the stuff that's wrong. But then he'll forgive it and deal with it and heal it uh, and make you whole inwardly. So a word to anyone who's exploring Christian faith today. Don't let your skepticism or cynicism hold you back. Like Nathaniel, when someone says, come and see, do come and see. Uh, the very values you hold have been shaped by Jesus and Christianity over the 2,000 years since then. Most of the values we hold dearly in the West are shaped by Jesus. Um, there's a wonderful book I'd like to recommend by John Ortberg. We'll put the, put the picture up of this book called Who Is This Man? Uh, this is a book, very, very easy to read, just looking at the way all the different values we hold dear are shaped, the values of forgiveness and humility and dignity and value for women and children. That was not the values of the world uh, uh, the Romans ran, and it's not the values of many other countries under different religions today. Who is this man? A more scholarly book looking at the same thing has been written by Tom Holland called Dominion. This is more substantial. Tom Holland is an agnostic, brilliant historian, written lots of well-claimed books. He was just investigating, Dominion really means Lord, the Lordship. He's looking at how the belief of Jesus as Lord has shaped Western values over 2,000 years. And he's written this book uh, showing how this over 2,000 years, while the church has got loads wrong, slowly and steadily our values have been shaped by Jesus. Uh, and rather gloriously, in the last few months, Tom Holland has come to living faith himself, which is fabulous, as he's, he's just explored. Uh, he, would, he would sort of say to someone like Richard Dawkins, don't attack Christianity, the values you hold dear uh, come from Jesus. So if you're exploring Christian faith, I recommend one of those two books to you, either Tom Holland if you want a substantial read, or John Ortberg if you something slightly easier. But Jesus says to Nathaniel, you think I'm amazing just because I said I saw you under the fig tree. You're going to see a lot more than that. Uh, let's read verses 50 and 51. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. And he then added, truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. This is a picture to the Old Testament story of Jacob's ladder in the middle of Genesis, where Jacob, uh, who became Israel, uh, was on his way, uh, away from his family. He slept and had a dream of a ladder between heaven and earth with angels coming up and down on. And Jesus is saying to Nathaniel, I am the link between heaven and earth. And if you follow me, you will discover so much more. Uh, over Easter holidays, I've been reading a wonderful, wonderful book, which I want to recommend to you as well, by Simon Ponsonby, called Amazed by Jesus. Simon is a friend, he's a preacher down in Oxford. Uh, he's taken 20 of his better sermons on Jesus and put them in a book. The introduction says, I've got 70 sermons, that book would have been a bit long, so I've picked the best 20. But the, uh, being amazed by Jesus comes through. Uh, for some of you exploring Jesus, the John Ortberg might be the better one. Uh, though this is brilliant. For some of you who perhaps 
you've been a Christian a long time and your faith just gone a bit tired and dull, this would be wonderful. Uh, I read a chapter a day as part of my quiet times. So if that's too much, you could read a chapter a week on a Saturday when you're not at work over the summer. It would do you a power of good. Jesus is amazing. Just as Andrew and Simon and Philip and Nathaniel found out. And if I can go back to the swimming analogy, uh, where Christians invite those who are exploring, come on in, the water's lovely. Once you've learned to swim, a whole new world opens up. One of the things I've loved doing down the years has been body surfing in the waves of North Devon. I tried standing up, wasn't very good at that. But I just love that if I couldn't swim, I'd never have tried that. Uh, for Juliet's 50th birthday a few years ago, I know she doesn't look 50, but it, a few years ago, we went to Sharm El Sheikh and we got to snorkel over the coral reef and see the amazing fish. I'd never have seen that if I hadn't learnt to swim. And there is a whole world that opens up to you when you bow the knee to Jesus as your Lord and the joy comes. So if you're not yet a Christian, I want to invite you to come and explore. Read through John's Gospel. Keep coming, dipping into these sermons. Uh, you might want to explore our Alpha course, running one central on this term. We're trying to have lots of small ones at different times. Uh, if you've got a Christian friend, ask them, will you watch the Alpha videos with me so we can talk about it? Uh, if you haven't, drop a note to us as a church and we'll link you in with one of the ones that is happening. If you're a Christian, can I encourage you to say, come and see to those you know, friends, family, neighbours, work colleagues. There's often a natural point where it crops up in a conversation. I don't know, what were you doing at the weekend? Oh, well, I went back to church for the first time in, in ages. Oh, I didn't know you went. Oh, well, yes. I think Jesus is true. You should come and see. It's, uh, the conversation can open up in all sorts of natural ways. And you might like to say, you can watch it online. You could come. Uh, there's a brilliant set of videos, the Alpha videos, you could watch with me online or after May the 17th over a cup of tea and cake or a glass of wine, whatever, whatever your style is. Um, let me just tell two stories as I come into land. I've, one of these is an old favourite story. Some of you will have heard me tell this before. One of them is a new one to me. Uh, my old favourite story is the story of Albert McMakin, who unless you've heard me tell this story, you've probably never heard of. Albert McMakin was a farmer in America in the middle of the last century. He was a Christian, and a well-known traveling evangelist came to his area and put up a tent, and he wanted to say to all his friends, come and see. So every night he had his truck, and he got friends in it, and he drove them off uh, to come and hear about Jesus. He had one friend called Bill who would never come. He just wasn't interested. He was more interested in chasing the girls, didn't want to come and hear about Jesus. Uh, but Albert McMatin was determined to invite his friend Jesus to hear about Jesus. So he said, Bill, would you like to drive my truck? And Bill wanted to drive his truck. So he said, all right, I'll drive the truck. And he drove the truck to the tent. And he thought, well, I might as well go in and hear. And what he heard that night captured his interest. He went back every night till Bill gave his life to Jesus. Bill, you may have got, was Billy Graham, who then taught, preached to millions. Probably more people have come to faith through Billy Graham than anybody else in history. But Albert McMakin is the hero of this story who said, come and see. A bit like Andrew, the apostle, who we don't hear much about, unless you're Scottish when, of course, you love St. Andrew. Um, we hear a lot about Simon Peter, but three times in John's Gospel we meet Andrew. Every time he's bringing someone to Jesus. It's just what he does. Here, Jesus. Here's my brother. Here, Jesus. Here's a little boy with five loaves and two fish. Here, Jesus. Here's some Greek people who want to find out about you. He just brings them to Jesus. Uh, the second story I heard yesterday, uh, some of you will use the Lectio 365 prayer app, 
which is a brilliant way of having a few minutes of quiet prayer. And yesterday, they celebrated Queen Bertha of Kent. I didn't know about Queen Bertha of Kent. Queen Bertha was a French princess who in 578 AD, so 1,500 years ago, came to marry the Kentish king, Ethelbert, whose kingdom was based in Canterbury, who was not a Christian and was not interested. But he loved his wife, and he built a chapel for her in Canterbury. She went to the chapel every day and prayed for her husband to come to faith in Jesus. 18 years, nothing happened. And then Pope Gregory the Great from Rome decided it was time to send a mission to England. A bit like Kate was praying for our mission partners who've gone out to Asia and Brazil and Albania. He said, time to go off and preach the gospel to these English. And he sends Augustine, who became Augustine of Canterbury in 594, I think it was, who lands in Kent and comes to the Kentish king and preaches the gospel to Ethelbert, who after 18 years of prayer gives his life to Jesus as his Lord. And there in that area of Kent over the next year, over 10,000 people became Christians. They had a mass baptism in 597. That little chapel became a bigger church and then a bigger one. It's now Canterbury Cathedral. It's been worshipped there for nearly 1,500 years. But Bertha is the hero who you've probably never heard of, who prayed for her husband faithfully for 18 years. If you've been praying for someone all these years, may even be 30 or 40 years, don't give up because God hears and the time will come when they too jump into the water and discover that it's lovely. So we're going to pray together. Uh, you've been sitting very patiently. Would you like to stand as we pray? I want to pray first of all uh, for those who are just dipping their toe in the water. We thank you, Lord, that watching this video, either live or on catch-up or here in church, there will be people who are exploring the truth of the Christian faith. And we pray that as they read John's Gospel, as they come to church, as they explore these things, maybe do the Alpha course, that you will open their eyes to see you as you truly are, at the wonder of who you are. You are the King of kings and Lord of lords. We pray for anyone who's been exploring for a while and who's really ready. And if this is you, here's a simple prayer you might like to pray. It's just a sorry, thank you, please. Let's pray, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry you've been outside my life for all these years and I'm sorry for the things I've done that I'm ashamed of. Thank you for your love for me. Thank you that you see me as I am, like you saw Nathaniel and Simon Peter. Thank you that you know who you've made me to be. Thank you that you died on the cross to take away my sin. I don't fully understand it, but I thank you that forgiveness is possible, and I want that forgiveness. Please come into my life by your Holy Spirit and wash me clean and help me learn to follow you. If that is you and you're praying that, it's a great day. I suggest you tell someone who you think will be pleased. <laughs> tell someone who's a Christian, and they will help you grow in that relationship and for those of us who are Christians Lord we're sorry for times when we've gone off track when the joy has gone and we've gone our own way and today we choose to bow our knee afresh to you as our Lord help us to live with you as Lord we know it's not easy we know there will be people who oppose you and your values but give us grace in this church to live with you as Lord.
And we pray that we would grow in wonder and amazement at who you are more and more. And we pray all these things in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Let's sing together.